0: managed to bowl them out just before we got to the Duckworth Lewis 20 overs mark and then it rained horrendously for the next hour.
1: Welcome to the Cricket Scotland podcast. I'm Jake Perry.
2: And I'm Rosie Ryan. It's been another great week of Scottish cricket action. With the Scottish Cup quarterfinals, the Challenge Cup and the start of the Women's Super Series as well as all the usual thrills and spills in the league. We'll be joined by Gary Heatley a little later on to talk it all through.
1: Last Sunday also saw Meagle's excellent run in the Village Cup ended by Houghton Main at Victory Park, a 66 run win for the Yorkshire team in the end. Our commiserations to Meagle, who are such brilliant ambassadors for Scottish cricket and all the very best to Houghton, Main for the remainder of the competition.
2: Sunday also saw the start of the Super Series, of which Pitt's teams coached by Peter Ross and Daniel Sutton against each other in five T20 doubleheaders. It's been a busy time for Peter with his playing commitments in the league and the cup with Heriots, alongside his coaching. So Jake and I caught up with him to ask all about it.
1: Hey, Peter. It's great to see you. Thanks very much for coming on.
0: Thanks very much for having me on, Jake and Rosie. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Well, we'll get on to the new Super Series in a little while. But first, let's talk a little bit about Heriot's. By the time this goes out, we'll know the identity of all the Scottish Cup semi-finalists, whether permitting. Uh, but Heriot's can sit back at the moment knowing that they're there already. Big win over Fergusley in round one, then Carlton in round two. And then that game against West of Scotland last week, uh, bowling them out for just 38 in the quarterfinal. Safe to say, it's been a pretty much faultless defence of the cup so far.
0: Yeah, we've had a good run so far in the cup. Um, you know, last weekend we were lucky to beat the rain by, you know, five minutes. But you know, we we got through. We managed to bowl them out just before we got to the Duckworth Lewis twenty overs mark, and then it rained um, horrendously for the next hour. Um, so we're very fortunate. But I think we're, we're very driven to to retain the trophy. You know, we've we've got a very good squad of people who've played together at the club for a while now, and some really good new uh Imports, we've added a lot. Crossy's had a great summer for us so far. Um, but, you know, we're a very competitive team. We just want to make sure that we're um, trying to win as many games of cricket and winning as many trophies as we can.
1: And you've had a really good campaign personally too, thinking that uh, that game against Carlton in particular.
0: Yeah, you know, I had a good day um, and it happens to everyone. It's just, it's always good to play against Carlton. They're a really competitive side. There are always a lot of close rivalries going between those Edinburgh teams. Um, you know, I, was, I had a good day. It's just one of those things. It was a good deck. Um, yeah, one of those good days.
2: Heriots are flying in the league as well. You're sitting in second place after round seven, just behind range and ahead of Forfisher, sure. one of whom you'll be meeting in the semi-final of the cup as well. How has the season been from your point of view, Peter?
0: We started slowly, and uh, we had a, a lot lost to Kesteven in game one when. Um, You know, it was was a really close finish. We were missing quite a few of our national squad players in that isolation period when they were coming back from Holland. Um, So, you know, it's never good to lose your first game in the league, but the league's quite a long phase. You know, like you can lose one early, maybe, and you can always pull it back. Um, And I think in the past couple of weeks, we've started really hitting our straps. Um, It's just getting to crunch time in the season now. You know, we've got Grange in the league in the next couple of weeks. As you said, Forfisher and Grange, one of those two will face in the cup. Um, you know, the next couple of weeks will will be a lot of deciding the season. I think so it's just kind of that midway phase of the, the season where you just want to keep momentum going and make sure you're going into the back half in the pole position and not trying to play catch up.
2: We'll be hearing about the Heriots match against Miguel a little bit later on, but the one a week later against Green should be an absolute cracker, Peter.
0: Yeah, look, they've they've always a good team. Grange. they've done a lot of work to to bring their juniors through, and they've got that mix of. Um, some really talented juniors like Jack Jarvis, Ben Davidson, Charlie Pete, Jamie Keynes. and then they've got that mix with, you know, the national Dylan Budges. Um, you've got Gordon Gowdy, the evergreen all-rounder who just keeps whacking at miles and keeps nicking people off. So I think you know it's always a good game. We've we've kind of started to win more than we lose against them in the past couple of years, but they're always competitive and they're always going to put out a good side against us.
1: It's going to be absolutely fascinating to see how it all how it all turns out. So let's move on to the Super Series, uh, where you're one of the uh, of the coaches, of course, along with Dan Sutton of the two sides, uh, which all gets underway at Lochland's this Sunday. We've had the Eagles and the Stormers in the regional series since 2017. So what's the main difference here? What's been the, the thinking behind it all, Peter?
0: Yeah, as I kind of mentioned to you earlier in the week, Jake, it's, it's just about ensuring the highest quality of cricket that we can and ensuring really competitive matches. I think the, the discussions that were had about the regional hubs, essentially, that works in the men's game in a minute. You'll see in the men's regional series, there's the Cali, East and West. There just isn't quite the player pool at the minute to have really strong squads regionally at the minute in women's cricket. So what um, was decided was just to take the best 25 to 30 players in the country, split them down the middle and try and create two really equal teams that will provide the best contest. And I think, you know, especially the past 18 months where that women's setup hasn't had... Haven't had enough competitive cricket. This is just our attempt to try and make sure that the players are getting challenged as much as possible to prepare themselves for international cricket. Yes,
1: yeah, so, I mean, as you say, is that move away from basing the teams according to their their geographical area? The the ideal is that we would have something that would then parallel the the men's structure in the fullness of time. But we're just not quite there at the moment, and we've had one or two difficult situations like last year, for example, with the where the balance of the squads was just uh, was just all wrong.
0: Yeah, we do want to get to a point where that each region has their own distinct identity and team. I think that's a really important part of cricket in Scotland moving forward is in both the men's and women's pathway, um, just by being realistic that we're not quite there yet. Um, and as you said, it avoids these difficult situations where you know the balance of the teams doesn't quite match up. You've got one team that's got more of, well, you could have, as last year, lots more wiki keepers in one team. You could have, have a team that's got all the spinners in one team and no spinners in the other team. Um, and I think having read what Dan said in that, that preview for this weekend, it's just trying to make sure that we're matching up the teams to provide as good a contest and as good a challenge to the players as possible.
2: And uh, with the international situation a bit uncertain at the moment, we, we've obviously spoken about the competition being really important and and I guess having the flexibility to adjust the squads as we go just to keep things competitive all the way through as well.
0: Definitely. I think, you know, competition is, we're moving towards a better place with it at the minute in In the national women's programme. We obviously had a fairly challenging trip to Ireland where we won the first game, which was fantastic, and then never really got off the bus for the remaining three games for the national squad. And this series is, is a really good chance for players to, to stake their claim. You know, by mixing the squad, you're always going to make sure that your players are getting an opportunity to deliver their skills. And I think that's a really cool part of this new super series is that... Teams won't just be relying on one or two players. There's a lot of different people pushing their case.
2: The squads themselves combine established Scotland internationals with some of our best talent as well, youth talent, who we've seen performing really well in the Women's Premier League, like Emma Walsingham, Neymar Sheikh, Neve Robertson, Jack, and more. Who should we be looking out for in particular, would you say, Peter? It's
0: a great question, Rosie. I think just going a little segue, that I was really impressed with the WPL this year. I think cricket Scotland did a really good job to ensure that as many national squad players were available for it. I think it, it showed in the quality of the games and the um, just the general quality of the competition that it was a really viable thing. In terms of the players to watch out for, Emma Walsingham, as you said, she she smashed it for Stu Mel this summer. She's she got 100. She's got a couple more 50s and 60s. Um, she's definitely one to watch and it just keeps getting better and better. Catherine Holland also had a good climbing the WPL. Um, she got runs up top for, for Stu Mail. Uh, Molly Payton had that extraordinary game against George Watsons, didn't she, where she got 45 off 20 balls and then took a 5 for and a hat-trick. So there's a lot of good players, that up-and-coming Neymar, Sheik, obviously from Western Scotland as well. I haven't seen a lot of her, but the feedback that I have heard about her has been very encouraging. So, look, like, I think... It, that WPL has done its job. It's it's allowing players to put in performances to try and push the way into regional and national. And that's the sign of a good structure and pathway. I think the challenge now is, you know, the national players had a good WPL. Can they replicate that in the the super series? Can they really show that they're national squad players? And can these younger players, you know, keep putting in performances to challenge those senior players as well?
1: A little more on the on the WPL. You're you're the coach of Carlton, of course, who won the competition, as we heard last week with with Annette Aiken drummond So how's it been working with them?
0: They are an incredible group of players and a, an incredible women's section of the club. Um, I've enjoyed every session so far. I've, I've been working with them since the start of the season. What, what's impressed me, and I think when you spoke to Annette, I listened to this podcast when Annette spoke last week, but she was spot on. What's impressive is that the environment that they have, whether it's senior international players, whether it's you know complete new beginners to hardball women's cricket, and as, as Annette spoke about, the old bats who are just so immensely keen and, and driven to get better and learn. It, it just creates this really awesome coaching environment where everyone just wants to help each other and get better. It's, it's really remarkable. I haven't experienced a lot of um, clubs like that, in the men's game especially, but for a women's club just to be so um, proactive and driven to be successful, it's just awesome. They're doing such a good job.
2: And, and as you said there, you know, you've got experience within the men's and the women's game. And you've said about the kind of differences there. But would you say there's there, there are main differences between coaching men and coaching women, Peter?
0: Good question, Rosie. I think, I think there are. The, the game is slightly different, you know, just in terms of the pace of it, in terms of, you know, at the same age, they can be at quite two different stages of development just because of the amount of exposure they get to cricket. You know, even things like just the, the language you use to communicate what the the players need and how they need managed, it, it changes as well. It's just little subtle things like that. But it's cool. I've really enjoyed it. It's been a pleasure to coach at Carlton. I can't really take too much credit for it because it's it was kind of already set up well by Annette, by Sam Hago, and, and the rest of the, the players and staff at Carlton. Um, but yeah, I think that there are some subtle differences. It's it's just really cool. I've, got, I've as you said, I've got to experience everything from senior men's international, senior women's all the way down to complete new starters and boys and girls um, and everything in between. Is. So, yeah, it's awesome.
1: And so just one last question. What's your main hope for the competition?
0: For me, I, I'm a competitive guy and I like to win. So I think, you know, from from my team, if we can if we can win uh, and have a clean sweep, that would be awesome. But I think it's probably also more than that. What I'd love to see is I'd love to see national players really step up um, and showcase their capabilities. They've worked very hard for a long period of time and haven't had a lot of really competitive cricket to showcase that. Um, so I think the Super Series will give the players who've worked hard indoors for the past 18 months a really good opportunity to step up, um, compete against their peers and, and put on a good show. Um, and I'm also, I'm also really excited to see that next group, um, as you said, the Neve Robertson-Jackson, Molly Patons and the Namers of the world, You know, actually seeing... They've had a lot of training with those senior players for a while now without a lot of cricket with them. This is their chance to see, right, where am I? How far off am I? And actually, how realistic is it for me to keep pushing my claim as an international cricketer? Yeah, winning's great, but it's also about seeing people put in performances and realise that they're good enough to be where they are.
1: Peter Ross. We'll be finding out how his team did a little later on and you can catch week two of the Super Series via the Cricket Scotland live stream next Sunday. But to help us look at all the action from last weekend, we're joined again by Gary Heatley. Welcome, Gary. Thanks
2: for having me again, guys. Good to be back. Hi, Gary. Well, we were hoping that we'd know Harriet's opponents as well as the other two Scottish Cup semi-finalists after all the weather disruption last week. And now we do. Yes, that's
3: right. Harriet's managed to beat the weather and west of Scotland July the fourth, and the three other last eight matches had to be replayed on Sunday just gone, having started but failed to finish the week before. We now know that Harris will were making the short trip to Portgar place to take on Grange in the semi-finals August the first, after Tom side won at Forfarshire on Sunday. The skipper led the way with 71 runs, Ben Davidson made 70, and Dylan Budge 62, as the visitors posted 270 for six, batting first at Fort Hill. Spinner Charlie Pete then led the way with three for thirty-seven as fourths rolled out for 166 in reply. The other semi-final in three weeks' time will be between Clydesdale and Watsonians. On Sunday, Clydesdale bowled Langside out for just 85, and then young Owen Gould, who's now on Scotland under 17 duty this week against Northumberland, hit 40 not out to see the host home by seven wickets. And at side, Wotswornayens restricted John out to 167 for seven in 46 overs, and then reached their revised target of 86 for the loss of no wickets. Parker need making 56 not out. There was also Challenge Cup action on Sunday, and we now know three of the semi-finalists. Where Lithgow meet Morton at that stage after wins over Glasgow Akies and Accord respectively on Sunday. Hillhead also won their quarter final at Stenhouse Muir, and we'll now wait and see who comes through the Kinrosher versus
2: Strathmore replay. We also know the finalists of the Rowing Cup, which will be played this Thursday at Kelburn. And Jake, you were at the league rematch between two of the semi-finalists this week.
1: I was at Hamilton Crescent for the Western Premier Division game between West of Scotland and Stirling County after their semi had finished with a 55-run win for Stirling in the Round Cup on Thursday. It put the icing onto what had been a bit of a horror week for West with defeat to Greenock in the league and that nightmare trip to Harriet's in the Cup. But they bounced back in great style with a terrific win that gets their league hopes very much back on track. It was a tough start for the home side after they chose to bat with Akram Shakur and Brandon McMullen both beating the bat with good pace and carry and extras top scoring for a while. But Andrew Hislop and Ian Young started to find the boundary with more regularity to get the scoreboard moving. Hislop fell for 29 but Young really hit his stride, hitting a straight six off Paul Bealby to move to 46 and then a pull off Harry Booker to reach his 50. That same over brought a third wicket as David Braithwaite was caught and bowled by a diving Booker but new batsman James Fenner got off the mark with a pull for six and a drive for four as the score really began to motor. Young fell for 74 with the total on 176, but Jordan Carlyle kept the momentum up with a flowing drive for four off Lachlan Kelly, a shot repeated by Fenner a couple of balls later. Fenner's 37-ball 50 was reached with back-to-back boundaries off McMullen, and although wickets fell as they pushed for the line, West's final total of 251 was a formidable one. Still, Matthew Tweedy and Harry Booker started well, taking the score to 30 in the eighth in the increasingly persistent drizzle. Before Tweedy feathered a ball from Dave McNulty to his lot behind the stumps, and Booker was adjudged LBW to leave the score 39 for two and then the rain took over, forcing the players in the field for an hour, which led to an adjustment in the target, now 239 in 44 overs. But the first goal was the 20-over Duckworth-Lewis benchmark of 87 for two, and there followed a real nip-and-tuck battle between the two sides, with Sterling always in touch with that Duckworth-Lewis score. The crucial wicket of McMullen for a runnable 48, stumped off Fenner, gave West a huge boost. But Chris Morton and Rookman Hawaji got Sterling back on track again, Hawaji striking a huge six to take the score to 161 for four after 31. But Fenner struck again, and when Bealby fell to a terrific running catch from Carlisle, it felt like a tipping point had been reached. Morton played superbly for his 50, but when he fell for 58 to a brilliant stumping by Hislop, third wicket for McNulty Sterling's biggest hope had gone Graham Etheridge took the last two wickets to finish with three for 37 and West were home by 10 runs so a brilliant game of cricket and afterwards I spoke to Matthew Tweedy and first James Fenner well James it's been a, a tricky couple of weeks in league and cup but great to get back to winning ways in such style today it certainly has yes after the uh, Scottish Cup uh, demise
4: should we say and uh, the Wednesday night against Sterling it's good to get back on winning ways and uh, especially after green it last week I think we've come back really well especially with another a wet ball and I think we've learned from from last week and it's nice to get over the line this
1: week. And some really great individual performances I mean not least from yourself from, from Ian Young and your bowlers uh, really bringing it home at the end.
4: Yeah absolutely uh, Young batted really well today if we can get you know one of the batsmen to bat through like that every week i think we'll win a lot of games it's nice to get some runs again obviously and uh i think with the bowling we've got a strong bowling attack and i think we know what we need to do in order to to get over the line
1: and some form to take to uddingston next week as well
4: yeah well we've got the semi-final clydesdale on wednesday night um at west so that should be a good one to to go into and then body next week massive game for us again and uh, hopefully we can uh, get over the line
1: Well Matt, great game of cricket but not to be in the end.
5: Yeah unfortunately not I think we um, well, we found out we bowled 41 extras um, first up so I think that really cost us because we were only I think 10 runs behind in the end but um, top four didn't really fire as well as we have done this year which was a shame but then I think the spirit that the guys showed and the intent they showed from batting 5 to 11 got us really close and Chris Morton with his first 50 for the ones as well is fantastic so yeah I think actually quite pleased with how we fought towards the end of that game and how how close we pushed them but up till first half of the innings and maybe first 10-15 overs of our batting effort were not our best but we were good from there so yeah
1: positives to take from it so Greenock next week and before that though you've got the round cup final I look forward to on Thursday
5: yeah it'll be good I think um, we've enjoyed our T20 cricket um, the, the two or three games we played this year and uh, I think our bowling and fielding especially in T20 cricket has been really good so if we can make sure we set a decent total in and field like we know we can do although we didn't do it today um, then I think we'll have a good chance and we played Fergusley once this year um, and it went down to one run so I'm sure it'll be a pretty close game again but yeah it should be good fun
1: all the best thanks very much thank you and a contribution from West 2's Partick there as well, fresh from their 206 run win in the Premier Reserve League. So, Sterling slipped a third in the table behind Round Cup final opponents Fergusley, who completed a hundred and thirty-nine run win over Langside, her own here taking five for sixteen. Clydesdale remained top and unbeaten, Richie Barrington's 107 and Craig Young's 89, seeing them to a hundred and twenty-one Duckworth-Lewis win over Greenock, for whom Harry Briggs scored sixty-four. But the performance of the day came from Uddingston, who dismissed Dumfries for just 30, Abdul Sabri taking 3 for 20 and Neil Alexander an extraordinary 7 for 5 before the runs were knocked off in just 3.3 overs. Uddingston move up to 5th, just behind Preswick, whose match with Pollock was abandoned because of rain. That game at Bothwell Castle policies next week is going to be fascinating.
2: And after West playing Stirling County in the cup, then league, Grange and Forfarshire met in the Eastern Premier this weekend too.
3: Yes, as already mentioned, Grange won at Forfarshire in the Scottish Cup on Sunday, and that completed the weekend, double for Grange over Forfarshire as they beat them in the league on Saturday at Portgower Place. In that league game, Gordon Gowdy and Dylan Budge took early scalps to reduce the visitors to 4 for 2 and then Jack Jarvis and Ben Davidson got in the act before fellow youngster Charlie Pete took the key wicket of Michael Leask for 47, having him, having him caught behind by wicketkeeper Harris Carnegie. The men from Brody Ferry were, were wobbling at that stage at 89 for five. And the Grange attack just kept on going, bowling them out for 108 in the end. In reply, Harris, Carnegie's 51 not out, then live Grange to an eight wicket win. Grange stayed top of the table, the result of that victory, while Heriots were second, but they had to battle up at Meagle to get the result at Victory Park. Heriots fell to 73 for six at one point. Before Scotland Joe, Gavin Mayne and Adrian Neal, usually known for their bowling, made 59 and 19 runs respectively to haul their side up to 173 all out. Mayne took a couple of quick wickets in Meagles' reply and all of the bowlers played their part. Spinner Keith Morton taking the plaudits with 4 for 24, which means he has now taken over 200 wickets for Harriotts, a fine record. In the end, Meagle were 124 all out to lose by 49 runs. Carlton made it five league wins on the spin and are now third in the table, after the ease to a six-wicket win at Stuart's Melville, inspired by Umar Mohammed's bowling and Tom Simpson's batting. And our both are up to sixth place after a fine-away win at Watson's. Youngsters Daniel Salmon and Lee Patterson both took three wickets, as the host posted 174 all out batting first. Sack placed top scorer in the 60. 76 not out from player coach Matthew Parker, and 44 from Darrell Sinclair, and then got our both home by eight wickets in reply. And Stonywood Dice are up to seventh in the table after their second league win on the trot. John Grant, Nick Hillnean and Jack Lamley took eight wickets between them as RHC and were bowled out for just 89 at People's Park. Tim Boverd then led to the reply with 42 in a seven wicket win for the hosts.
1: As we were saying to Peter earlier, next weekend's match between Grange and Heriot's is massive. Looking forward to that. And then, as we've been hearing, Sunday brought the start of the Super Series, where the Ross and Sutton 11s finished all square, rosy.
2: They did. After a great stay cricket at Laughlands, the first game of the two resulted in a pretty easy win for the Ross Eleven, after they restricted the Suttons to 82 for 9. Megan McCall taking 4 for 14, Catherine Fraser taking 2 for 11 and Habtaha Maskud taking 2 for 18 before they knocked the runs off inside 13 overs. Becky Glenn scoring a 21 ball 36. But the second game was much tighter and could have gone either way. Katie McGill won the toss with the Suttons and decided to bat. And then Ellen Watson and Lorna Jack went out and played really well to take the score up to 64. Hannah Rainey then removed Ellen for 33 off the last ball of the 10th. And then Lorna Jack fell for an attacking 46 LBW to Abdaha. But Karis Scott and Katie took the score up to 133 without any further loss of wickets. It looked a good score. And then when the Rosses were out, then reduced... 34 for 3, thanks to good catches by Emma Walsingham and Ekra Farouk, and a slower ball Yorker from Neve Robertson Jack, which found the toe end of Becky's bat on its way into the stumps It looked even better. But Megan McCall and Emily Cavendar played really well to double the score in double quick time, scoring at around 8 and over to get the Rosses back in the hunt again. And with the score at 72 for 3 in the 10th, it was anyone's game. But that 10th over was being bowled by Nema Sheikh, And what an ending it was. Emily was bowled from the fourth ball, then Abdaha trapped for LBW, and then the next, Hannah was bowled too to complete a hat-trick. Nema's batting stood out in the Women's Premier League, but she bowled beautifully here, with movement in the air and off the pitch. She ended up 3 for 13 from her four overs. A great debut performance. The Rosses were still in it, but when Megan was run out, it made her task that little bit harder. Katie McGill ran through the the last three wickets to finish four for 17 and confirm the Sutton's eight-run win. So after the game, Jake called with the two skippers, Abdaha and Katie McGill.
1: So a day of two halves for both teams, really. But uh, honours even in the end?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think
6: um, we obviously underperformed with the bat first innings, and that makes a game really hard to defend when you're in the 80s. Um, so to see that turn around and see... Uh, you know, that top three go out and, you know, a 50 run opening partnership, something we've been looking for for a long time. Um, so that like percentage improvement for us was amazing. Still not perfect in the second half. In fact, I think we're probably better in the field in the first game to make a game of it. Um, but some clear learnings, and I think a huge amount of potential in quite a young and inexperienced squad. So really exciting.
7: Yeah, I agree. I think both teams performed pretty well. Both games and um, our bowling and fielding in general could have been a wee bit better. Um, but we brought it back, we tried to restrict them as much as we, can, we could in that second game and our batters did really well to get it as close as we did. Um, but yeah, really good performance from Megan at the end there uh, to try and get that score. But yeah, I think, as you said, an inexperienced team, but it seemed it, it, it went really well.
1: You mentioned Megan there and a lot of players putting their hands up today. So who else, uh, who else was catching your eye?
6: Oh, I don't think we can look past Neymar hat-trick on debut and I think she took four in total and um, you know in a really crunch point for us in the game when there was a little partnership running away and for us to just take out three in a row there and, and really bring it back with the runs as well Um just by keeping it simple and hitting an area so that's really promising for her first time out in any form of the regional setup um, I know it's been rejigged this year um, and then great to see uh, Lorna Jack coming back to a bit of the classic form we know so that's that's refreshing to see him working really well out there with Ellen so that's promising going forwards.
7: Yeah, as I said, Megan did really well with the bat and the ball in the first game. Um, we had Hannah, who came back after a long injury, um, and she bowled really well. Got a few wickets in both games. Um, but yeah, uh, Fraser as well, of course. We can't we can't forget Fraser. She's always in the game. Um, but yeah, it was a good team performance in both games. Um, just a shame that we couldn't get over the line in the second one. So... <laughs>
1: So off to Tickwood next week uh, for most of us, but not for you, Amta, because you have something else in mind.
7: Yeah, so I will be uh, travelling to Birmingham on Wednesday for the 100 for about six, six and a half weeks. Um, So that's really exciting. It's a shame I won't be able to play any more of these games because that was quite fun. But um, I I mean, I can't wait to go out there and learn as much as I can um, and bring it back for the rest of the team, hopefully.
1: Well, go well. Thanks both.
2: Thanks, Jake. Thank you. As Jake was saying, the series moves on to Titwood next week where it will be live-streamed again. Look out for that. And our very best wishes to Abduha as well as Catherine and Sarah Bryce as they start their new adventure in The 100. We'll all be watching and supporting you and looking forward to chatting about it soon.
1: So looking at the week ahead then, Gary and Rosie, what's catching your eye?
2: Well, this evening, which is Tuesday,
3: the Masterson T20 semi-finals take place in the East, with Carlton taking on Harriets and Australians facing Grange, which should be two great ties. And then the Eastern Premier Division at the weekend, it's a double weekend of action, with full cards on Saturday and Sunday, and that is really going to test all 10 clubs' squad depth. They mentioned second versus first clash, when Herets take on Grange on Saturday, looks like being a very tasty one, while on the same day, Stewart's Melville versus Meagle is a massive match at the other end of the table.
2: As Gary said, I'm looking forward to hearing about Grange take on Heriots, and I'm also looking forward to the the second uh, Super Series game, um, which looks like it's going to be a really close one uh, between the two sides.
1: Yeah, and for me, it's the Western Premier Games between Clydesdale and Fergusley and Uddingston and West of Scotland, as well as the Round Cup final this Thursday between Stirling County and Fergusley. And as Rosie said, of course, round two of the Super Series next week. If round one is anything to go by, that'll be another cracker.
2: So plenty to talk about again. Looking forward to chatting all through with you next week, Gary. Thanks very much, Rosie. Look forward to it. But that is it for this edition of the Cricket Scotland podcast. Thanks to all of our guests and to you again for listening. Until next time, goodbye.